Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. This week, we have Mr. Bruce Schwartz. Took a long time to get Bruce, so sit back and listen. Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. Today, we have Welsh Terrier Breeder and Terrier Judge, Mr. Bruce Schwartz. How are you, Bruce? Great. And yourself? I'm good. It's good to see you. It was hard catching up to you, but I got you now. So, <laughs> all right, you got me. My undivided. <laughs> How are things out there? They're good. Yeah, any weather's well. Yeah, it's actually where I live. It hasn't really been even that hot. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started then. Um, tell me, how did you get started in this, our sport of dogs, Bruce? And how old were you when you started? Okay, so I was between 14 and 15, and we had just lost our pet, Miniature Dachshund, and um, the veterinarian suggested we get a Miniature Schnauzer, and we got one, and we wound up with another one, and the woman said, you know, he's a pretty nice dog, you should show him, and we showed him a couple of times, and, uh, you know, I, I like the second time I showed him, he actually won a couple of points, and we were hooked. Well, how did you go from just, you got a miniature schnauzer, how did you, did you learn to trim it or did the breeder trim it for you or? No, actually, uh, somebody out here who was trimming a lot of dogs was trimming it for me. And then I would help our handler, who was at the time Daisy Austad at the shows. And I learned a little bit, not so much trimming, but getting the dogs done up and getting, preparing them after they've been trimmed for the show ring. Okay, so you had the adventures now, just about 15 years old. Where did you go from there? Well, then, actually, we had the miniature schnauzers, and then there was a lot of health issues in them, and Rick Shashudian had a dog in the kennel that was just kind of sitting there, and I got attached to him, and that was our first Welsh Filtown protocol. Who now, how did you get attached to him? How did you know Rick? Well, I knew Rick because he was showing, he then showed the, well, actually, Leslie showed the miniature schnauzers for us a few times, and um, we just got to be friendly. And he had this dog sitting in the kennel, and he had pulled his nail, and I took him to the vet, and we kept him home. And he was a really sweet, nice, good dog. And we were just kind of hooked on the breed then. That was a Welsh, though. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of you kind of glanced over a few things there. How, how did you 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 hired Rick and Leslie to show your dogs? Yeah, no, actually, what happened was we bred a litter, and I had a dog, and who's being trimmed by the, you know, all these people are gone, and I don't think anyone would even remember them. Adele Staniford, who had miniature schnauzers, and you know, this was like. You know, just our first litter, and he was a really beautiful dog. And I showed up the show, and I saw Rick, and I said, "Can I just use your table?" And they used to have a fairly big specialty with um, Santa Clara and San Jose, which was the week after the garden. And I showed up with this dog, and he said, "You're going to beat us." And I said, "Well, I don't care. You want to show him? Show him." And Leslie showed him, and he went best of winners for a five point major. <laughs> and that began your relationship with Rick and Leslie, then. Right. Yeah. So now you have this Welsh Terrier from Rick. Right. And he showed him, and I will have to say he was not a typical Welsh Terrier. 
He wasn't, he was a really pretty dog. He was a little more modern dog for the time um, and a little fancier looking. And he wasn't really, he was pretty mellow. He wasn't the greatest show dog. So he wasn't exactly, you know, exactly what you'd expect in a Welsh. But, you know, he did okay. And then we got a bitch and bred to him. And by then, uh, Woody was out on his own and he showed him. And um, we were just kind of hooked on the breed. So at this point, it was you and your parents were breeding them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, my father was interested as long as they won. And, uh, but my mother really loved going to the shows and talking to everybody and being involved. We all do that. <laughs> yeah. So then Wood ended up showing you dogs. How did you meet Wood? Well, he was working for Rick. Oh, okay. So you knew him through Rick, and then when he went on his own, you guys decided to try Wood. Right. right. So then, I mean, that's, you know, and we bred a few dogs who had some good success, and then Billy the Kid came along, and he was bred by Mike and Nancy O'Neill, and he was, uh, you know, I mean, he won 100 best in shows, including Montgomery County, and at the time he was being shown, it was when all the group shows were just starting um, when they were first allowed. So he won, you know, like uh, Washington State, Oregon, all these first group shows, um, Garden State Terrier Club in New Jersey, Great Western, which was really a great thrill. And at that time, I know people talk about winning and the dogs, but at the time, Clay Cody had Awesome Blossom and Amy had um, her dog Dover. So it was at a time where um, the competition out here was really great. And that's one of the things I'm most proud of, that he was able to, that Billy was able to have so much success in really top competition. How did you, how did you come get, how did you get Billy? Just Well, we were kind of friends with Mike and Nancy and Nancy was showing the dog herself and having some success. And, and, you know, we saw the dog and knew that he could really, we believed that the dog could do a tremendous amount of winning. We had no idea 100 best in shows, but we certainly know he would be a top winner. Mm -hmm. Wow. And then Wood had him for how long? Uh, he showed him for three years. Okay. Well, where did you go from Billy then? Oh, my gosh. Well, then Billy produced really well. And, and actually, uh, we had a couple more best in show winning bitches. Um, by Billy, out of other people's bitches, we really, uh, unfortunately, we didn't really have bitches that we had to breed to him that we ourselves owned. So uh, we basically took a couple of puppies back, and they turned out to be um, really good winners, also. And actually, going forward, twenty years later, I. I leased a bitch from Gabriel and uh, or through Gabriel and um, had, you know, another best in show winner by Billy, the bitch that um, Adam and Katie Bernard have shown for me. Oh, I, I didn't realize he was by Billy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we jumped. We jumped way ahead. So you went. Right. From Billy, you went from Billy. Now you, you, you. It sounds like you had instant success, but that can't be. 
No, 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 no. I mean, we, you know, it was several years before we ever won the breed at Montgomery County. Um, I mean, we had pretty good success, but not the kind of success that we had after probably about 10 years of the breed. Mm -hmm. Even that, that's pretty quick as well, 10 years. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I think we were really lucky that our first dog really was a very good stud dog and he moved the breed along. And I think he also helped the breed in a lot of ways, temperament wise. When we first got in it, I think they were a much sharper kind of a dog than they are now. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I talk about Welsh Terriers. It's like, you know, when people call me and I tell them about the breed and what I love about them and what's not so great about them, I said, there's nothing better to live with in the house than a good Welsh Terrier. And there's nothing worse than a bad one. Well, tell me, tell me what you would tell them. Say I was calling you and I was inquiring about a Welsh Terrier. I mean, they want to be the boss and they think they're the boss. And you kind of have to let them know they're only the boss to a certain extent. And uh, they're very easy, I think, to housebreak. They're cleaning the house in a home situation. I won't say they're the cleanest dogs in a Kensal situation, but I think in a home, they're really good. If they're raised with kids, they're playful, they're good with kids. Uh, I would say it's been my experience when people have Welsh Terriers and then they bring a newborn into the house. Some of them are not real receptive, but I think with most of them, you can train them that the baby's staying and they have to get along. But they're especially, at least in my dogs, two are fine together if it's a dog and a bitch and the dog uh, acquiesces to the bitch and realizes that she's the uh, boss of the house. And, you know, the bitches tend to be very jealous of their human. <laughs> so that is one thing I'll say. But, I, I, you know, it's most of the people I find who are looking for a Welsh Terrier now are people who used to have Airedales and they want to downsize. And, uh, you know, I said, you're downsizing in size, but not necessarily in personality. And, you know, the other thing I say, like, when you're meeting someone, maybe the first thing that attracts you to another individual is their looks, but it's the personality that you wind having, uh, wind having to live with, and that's what's most important. And if you want a dog that's going to listen to you, that... Uh, you know, it's going to follow your every direction. And when you open the front door, they're never going to think about running out. You're not wanting a Welsh Terrier. But if you want a dog that's, I think, comical, you kind of never know what they're going to do. And they're also at the same time, they have a temperament of a Terrier, but I think they're also very affectionate and sweet. I won't say they're loyal. They're really happy with whatever person is giving them attention at the time. That sounds similar to a beagle. <laughs> uh, I, will, uh, I will say this. They don't bark all the time. Not only they do beagles, but they have no loyalty. If somebody else has a cookie, they're gone. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked because my bitch that Adam and Katie had was really attached to me. And, you know, when I when they'd had her for a few months and I hadn't seen her, I thought, I can't see her till she's you know, finish on, she's going to go nuts. And I said, no, she isn't. And they were right. I mean, she was certainly happy to see me, but it wasn't like compared to a miniature schnauzer that you can go out 
and pick up the mail and come back, then they'll give you this greeting. Well, says, oh, okay, you're here. But they're really pretty much happy with the people they're with as long as they're given attention and some love. Okay. <laughs> so you you had Billy. Where where we go from Billy? You said you, you had some bitches, but yeah, we had some bitches. relationship with Wood until he retired. No, we retired before that. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, um, and then you know, as my mother got older and got really sick, and we weren't doing as much, and I didn't do as much, and finally, um, uh, you know, we. I was without any dogs, and um, somebody in Europe had a dog that I thought would be good to a bitch that Gabriel had had. And I just thought, why don't you take care of it? But then he had the bitch, and then, well, anyway, I wound up with this bitch. And um, she also produced two really good dogs for us. And one of them was Katie, the, uh, I mean, Katie, um, the bitch that um, Adam and Katie showed for me, and um, she got a best in show. And now I have another dog out uh, with them, who's another best in show winner, and they're just started to special him. Okay. When did you start judging, Bruce? Uh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-five, thirty years ago. Wow. Yeah. What made you decide to go that direction? I don't know. It just seemed uh, my friends were all starting to judge. So it's just something I did. And that that's really the truth. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a natural thing and uh, something I enjoyed doing. Um, I don't know. Dog shows the past 20 years have changed so much. I mean, you know, unfortunately, what the great shows of 25 years ago were roughly some of them are half the size of what they should, uh, what they used to be. And this is, in all honesty, it's not the size of the shows that I'm as concerned about, but I'm more concerned with the quality of dogs currently being shown. And I think that's also true in Canada. Actually, I think if you talk to most judges around the world, it's a major concern. And I think we've lost so many longtime readers, and it's just a very different sport. And that's, uh, you know, we don't have the big kennels anymore. That's the, that's the problem. Right. And I'm, you know, I never, we certainly never had a big kennel. We never um, had a lot of dogs. So I don't think you have to have a big kennel, but I think you have to have a vision for what you think is correct for your breed. And you just want to show the best possible dogs and not a bunch of dogs just to finish. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same. I think it's the same as, uh, as judging it. You have to be selfish. You have to, you have to read what you think is the best, but you want it, what the what world to see of your breed. So right. right. When you're and judging. I think the other thing, at least not having a kennel, you really can't live or at least I can't live with a bunch of Welsh Terriers in the house. Uh, you know, if you have two that get along, that's fine. For my dogs, if you introduce a third, it's not going to happen. Mm. So it also limits you 
you know, to what you want to keep for yourself. And we've sometimes placed dogs with other people and had litters at other places because, uh, you know, a few years ago, I had like seven dogs in the house. And be honest with you, I was losing my mind. And these weren't the easiest Welsh Terriers in the world. And it was just, it it wasn't pleasant to have your whole life revolving around keeping dogs separated, keeping dogs quiet, and keeping dogs happy. So, and I think when the person is unhappy, uh, the dogs are not too happy. <laughs> Who would you consider your mentors over the years? Well, um, like in, in Welsh, it was Rick and Peter and um, Jim and John, who started 2J's Kennels, Dorothy Weimer, Phyllis Haig, Anne-Marie Moore. These are the people that over the years I really looked up to. How did you meet Pete? Just through dog shows? Yeah, through dog shows. And actually, um, he showed a miniature schnauzer bitch for us for a little bit. Did he ever show any Welsh for you? Yeah, just actually he only, well, he, he finished a bitch for us and he showed our first one, Phil Town Protocol. He was mainly shown by Peter, but I took him back on what was then the Cherry Blossom circuit just for fun. No, so he showed him that. So if, if someone came to you and wanted some advice on, on breeding dogs, what advice would that be? The most expensive thing you can do is buy a poor quality bitch for your first bitch to breed. I think you really need, I mean, like in, in miniature schnauzers, uh, Daisy Osted, probably we waited 18 months before we the bit before she found a bitch that she thought was worthy of us starting with. And I think that's the most important thing is to to get a really good quality bitch as your first brood bitch. And, and also, to, to also not think every dog you have is a best in show winner and to be able to learn enough, get other people's opinions and evaluate your own dogs fairly. You know, I was once taught that the, the most rampant disease we had at dog shows was kennel blindness. So, Right. Now, I, I, I think there's also when people want to buy a dog, it's not like going to buy a TV or a car that you just go out and pick what you want. And you, they're really good quality dogs are not readily available. Right. You may have to wait and wait for some time. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we waited for well, my parents wanted an Irish setter from Mr. Eldridge. We seemed we waited for years and it, right. But it worked and, out. Yeah. And as I said, I think one of the biggest mistakes people do is rushing in, getting a bitch that's not the best they could find. And the other thing, biggest mistake I think people make is breeding for convenience. That is the dog that's around the block, you know, their friend's dog. Uh, pick out the right dog, the best dog for your bitch. And that's not always the most convenient dog. 
that's going to go out the window. You have to, you have to put some effort into it. And if I was going to change hats now, and I was going to, I, I was to ask you how, what, what advice would you give for a new judge? Um, learn your breeds, learn your standards, learn what's important, and don't move along too fast. <laughs> and and really have enough respect for yourself that you don't want to go in the ring and be unsure of your decisions. Because in all honesty, I just judged, you know, a local Welsh Terrier specialty and I was the quality was such I'm not even sure my decisions were right. Because you had to give on some of the classes so much up you had to overlook so much to try to find the best dog and i think i think that's the hardest thing about judging right now is it's if there's an outstanding dog in the ring i think that's pretty easy to find but if there's a bunch of really mediocre quality really discerning them i think is one of the most difficult things yeah sorting through those things i was um, jay i had an interview jay a while ago and he said uh the hardest thing for him was he couldn't he couldn't make them what they weren't he only could sort through them so right that, that makes a lot of sense yeah and you know uh, to me one of the big downfalls that you see in welsh terriers are dogs that are don't they're not square they don't have enough leg they're not 50 50 in proportions and you know what sometimes you have to give up on that it might be the thing that in general upsets me the most, but sometimes you, it that dog still has more breed type than other dogs. That does make it difficult. I know I've watched a few classes and you think, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? What would you do in his place? But you have to do something. So yeah. On the other, the other thing, sorry. The other thing I just, you know, I recently judged in Korea and I had one Welsh Terrier and it was trimmed really really nicely and i was so impressed i mean i couldn't talk to the guy about it or where he learned to trim but i also think one thing and i mean i i only have completely finished one dog of my own and i did everything i did all the trimming myself and that was a long time ago but i wish people would really take the time and look at how the professionals are trimming their dogs and really strive to to do as good a job as our top professionals. Because like if you take a breed like miniature schnauzers, a lot of the owner handlers do a really top job getting the dogs into condition, working on their coats and showing them beautifully. And I think that's something that's lacking in the hard-coated terrier breeds that people just, I don't know if it's motivation, uh, some of it, I'm sure, is time to really strive to be as good as a professional. It's difficult. They've gotten the professionals have gotten so good over the years. Like you, you've used handlers for a long time. How do you decide on what handler you're gonna you're gonna go to? Well, the first thing is, it. I mean, basically, I want somebody who knows how to trim a Welsh, who puts their dogs into beautiful condition. However, the most important thing to me is I never have to worry about the care of the dog. I never have to worry 
about that my dog is ever not going to be cared for in the most appropriate way. That their truck runs well, that they have air conditioning, that they also have assistants who really care about the dogs as much as they do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. There's some great businesses out there, but it's, sometimes it's hard to sort through them and find out who is the right way. One's to you is for your dogs. Right. But, but there's right. a lot out there now. But I'll, I'll tell you, over the years, I've, I've watched them and they, they just keep getting, trim-wise, they just keep getting better and better and better. It's it's amazing how they've evolved. Right. So, And I think that's a good thing. I just wish that our owner handlers have a, would evolve to the level of our professionals. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, I teach a lot of seminars and courses, and, and that's, that's why I try to instill upon them is that they can beat the professionals, but they have to get as good as they are. They can't just right. go in there and, and think they're going to beat them and, and or, or just complain about losing to them. So, Right. So, and, and, and that's what, I mean, the other... I think it's difficult for people, especially when they only have a few dogs, they're emotionally attached to them. But there has to be also a side of you that evaluates the dog without your emotional feelings about the dog. Oh, no question. There's no question. That's a hard one to learn for them, too. So. Right. Um, you've judged all over the world. I don't talk about dogs that are being currently campaigned, but what, what dogs have stuck out in your mind that you've judged or that you would have wished you could have been a part of or even shown? Well, I mean, um, one of my favorite dogs, certainly a dog I gave the group to at Westminster was Sky, the wire fox terrier. And I think she was just one of the most beautiful dogs with an upbreed type, but still just amazingly beautiful. Um, I know like Wires, uh, I thought Sunnybrook spot on was just a phenomenal dog. Um, the Cary Blue Chances Are, the Cary Blue Mick. Um, those are some of my really favorite dogs that I remember. Um, and it's funny, Peter Green had a smooth, and I don't, this was like when we were really, I was really young in dogs. And I remember her call name was Snip, but I just thought she was another really beautiful, smooth bitch. It's amazing. I saw a video of, of Chances Are somewhere recently, and you watch me, you think, oh my God, he can still win today, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I I kind of feel sorry for Carrie Blue people or breeders because it seems they have really great dogs in their breed, but they don't always, they might be able to reproduce a few really good dogs, but they just don't seem to breed as true as you would hope some of their greater dogs have, are able to do. Yeah, they've had some really beautiful ones, that's for sure. So... What's next for Bruce? Are you going to go for any more? You said you had 10, you had a terrier group and 10 working breeds. Right. Well, I just attended some seminars. I don't know. I will probably be applying for some more working breeds. Um, I don't know. Applying, I, I could go on about judges' education in this country, but you probably don't want to hear that. 
You know, and I'll have to say, no, I mean, some of the seminars, a few of the seminars are great, but, and I think, I hope when I give a seminar, I think the most important thing you can do is show passion for your breed and really try to educate people on what, what makes your breed a stand, what the standout qualities are. So when you look at a Welsh, you see the bulk, you see the sturdiness, you see a powerful terrier, but you don't see a clunky kind of dog. I think that's what, you know, so often you go to these seminars and they either read the breed standard to you or describe the movement, which is pretty similar to other dogs in their group. And you're not, the people just don't seem to have a passion for what they really look for in their breeds. And I think that's the most important thing. Why are you passionate? What's important in this breed? Because usually those characteristics are not that, you know, they're not so many really intricacies that to make a good judge, you just have to look for the quality of that breed and it should, I think it should be pretty easy to describe if you're really sincere and love and understand your breed. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so are you, are you planning on maybe getting the whole working group? Yeah, I mean, that's my plan, but it's probably been my plan for 10 years now. So <laughs> I don't want to rush into anything. What, what makes you, what made you choose the working group next? Uh, probably because of the, you know, miniature schnauzers. Oh, so, schnauzer. you know, and, and then when I applied for my first working breeds, I just did, you know, standard of giant schnauzers, which I already felt comfortable with. And then Dobermans because they were so a square, you know, fairly typical breed that I found easier to go to. And I think that's, I, I really do, you know, I'm, I don't want to judge other people, but I judge other people all the time. <laughs> but I mean, I think judging should be something that you're passionate about to do a good job, to understand, and to go in the ring and find the best dog and the best quality dog, not the best handle dog, but really the dog that will do the most for that breed. Let me ask you one last thing then, Bruce. Okay. If you were to meet the 20-year-old Bruce now, is there any advice you'd give him? Don't be so sarcastic. Let's see. No, no. We like that part. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because someone who I hadn't seen in a long time, and I used to manage a lot of people at American Express. And I said, you know, I know a lot of people didn't get me. I said, I was just too sarcastic with people. And she said, no, that was your best quality. <laughs> I don't know. This I would think, yeah. But I would say, figure out a way to have a couple of more bitches. And that would have been one thing. I would have like to have had more bitches and maybe a couple of more bitches to breed to Billy of my own. And um and probably 
learn to groom better on my own and be more self-reliant. And you still have frozen billing? More frozen yeah. billing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't have a lot. I have some. And um, uh, I hope to use it wisely. Yeah. And no plans yet, though? You're waiting for that no, right pitch? Not, not right now. And where are you off to next? You just got back from where? Were you were just in Korea? Is that what you said you were? Yeah. I don't know. Well, actually, my next trip is an awful one. Oh, no. And that is, yeah, I'm going to Ann Katona's memorial service. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she was just somebody who also I revered. She was a good, honest, sincere judge and a really dedicated person who meant a lot to me. You know, I think there are a few people, I mean, more than a few, but Anne to me was somebody in my life who I knew she only wanted me to be happy and to to have good success and really wanted the best for me. And and she really, I think she wanted the best for everybody. I think she wanted people uh, to appreciate their dogs and the sport. And I think she was really a good, kind, sincere person who I know I'm personally missing her a lot, but I think the sport misses her too. Those are nice words, Bruce. Where Where's the memorial? In Lincoln, Nebraska. Wow. It'll be a tough one, but everybody will like yeah. remembering her. So, okay, Bruce, I finally tracked you down. I thank you. Thank you for your All time. Right. All right. Take care. Good speaking you too, with you. I appreciate it. All right. Bye bye. Thanks, Bruce. That was great. It was good to see you and catch up. If you like what you're seeing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to get a hold of me, get a hold of me on Will Alexander's Dog Show Tips. And don't forget, forget about the podcast every week, The Dog Show Drive with myself and Wayne Cavanaugh. Until next time, guys.